0: Welcome to another Terrific Tips episode. I'm Terry, your host. Why is it Terrific Tips for Business? Because you can't spell terrific without Terry. I'm so thankful that you've taken the time to be with us today and listen to the amazing stories, the nuggets, the information, the tips, tricks, and habits that other Business owners just like you have used to overcome challenges in their own business. I hope that you get as much out of these conversations as I do when it comes to helping me overcome some challenges in my business. My intention is always just to provide a platform for other people to share their story so that together. We can support each other and be stronger in our small business community. Thank you so much for joining us. And without further ado, I cannot wait to introduce you to our guest today. Welcome, friends, to another terrific tips for business. I, of course, am Terry, your host, because you can't spell terrific without Terry, but you already knew that. I'm so glad that you're here for another conversation. We have the fabulous Emily Scholl with us today, all the way from the Netherlands. How cool is that? We're international, y'all. Okay, so Emily Scholl, for those of you that don't know her, let me introduce her. She is a certified money coach the founder of Me, Myself, and Money. What the hell is a certified money coach, you might be asking? Well, let me tell you. She helps people to understand and transform their relationship with money so that they can attract, keep, and enjoy their money without any anxiety or stress. Isn't that wonderful? Emily earned her master's degree in financial planning But she also learned that the more she learned about the practical side of money, the more she realized something was missing, the emotional side of money. And let's be honest, there's some emotion tied up in money. We all have a little bit of emotion, whether we're really excited about it or we really don't like it, one way or another. So the sole focus of her coaching practice is not just on your numbers, but it's on your relationship with money. And I've had her come and speak for my Propel students, and it is amazing the questions that she asks to help us unearth our relationship, our true relationship with money. Her specialty is working with personal growth enthusiasts, who've done the inner work and yet still feel anxious or uncomfortable when it comes to money. Now, if you're not a personal development coach, expert, professional, that doesn't mean that you should tune out right now because this conversation is still going to be for you. Emily does a lot of work with one-on-one individuals and couples, and she also offers on-demand and live courses to help reach more people with her gentle and powerful approach. She is known for her calm voice, non-judgmental manner, and ability to challenge people to think differently about money and themselves. As I mentioned before, she lives in the Netherlands, but she meets with clients virtually across the United States and Europe all the time. Emily, thanks so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Terry. It's always such a pleasure to speak with you, and thanks for that warm introduction.
0: Absolutely, it's a pleasure to have you here. So, it's really interesting what you do. I've had a couple of financial advisors, experts, guides on the show, but never anybody who's talked about the emotional side of money. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know why, but for some reason I've always thought of money as as emotional. Um and so I've always had two of my long-term interests have always been personal development and personal finance and you know I don't think many people see like such a strong connection between the two but that's actually where um where me myself and money was born and um and what I focus on and it came about because I was studying for a master's degree in financial planning and I thought I was going to be a financial advisor But the more I studied and the more I had conversations with my classmates, many of them were already financial professionals the more I realized that uh, the emotional aspect of money was just missing from almost all of the conversations. So I just got really curious about that. And I started researching more and more about this and came across the Money Coaching Institute. And then through there, I trained as a certified money coach. And that means I'm trained in a specific method to help people really understand their relationship with money from the, uh, the very beginning up until now. I think so many of us, when we think about money, we just have such shame and embarrassment. There are, of course, these really highly charged emotions that go with it. And for many of us, we're really stuck in this emotional place. And so when you're there, especially when you have so much judgment about yourself for what you're doing or what you're not doing, it's hard to let any of that practical knowledge in. So there are so many people who are really good at explaining what we need to do with money. But if you're stuck in these emotions, you can't get there. So I think of myself as a bridge from the emotional side of money to the practical side. Once you understand your history with money and your own personal history, then you're able to um, gain awareness, gain a lot of self-acceptance, and then from there, you're able to do the practical things to implement the plan that you have, and then finally be successful in it.
0: It makes a lot of sense. I mean, pretty much in anything that we do, we do have something, whether it be visible or invisible to us, that either propels us forward or holds us back from taking the action that we know we need to take. Like, for example, we all know that we need to eat more fruits and vegetables to be healthy, right? Some of us are really determined and diligent and good about doing that others of us not so much well why is it that we all know that this is what we need to do but some of us are only only some of us are good at it and others of us aren't there's an emotional driver there that's associating something emotional that's happened that's holding some of those people back from eating the fruits and vegetables that they need to it's the same with money it's a very interesting study and how you got there um So yeah, that's, is there a tip? Is there something that we can do to start to identify our relationship with money and how it might be propelling us or how it might be hindering our forward momentum?
1: Yeah, yeah. I can give you, I'll give you two tips. The first one is um, to think about your earliest money memory. And so this is one of the exercises that I did um, in your workshop last week. And Um, sometimes this is like right on the money and sometimes it's not completely relevant. So I'll give you an example of a good one. Um, I was working with a client and when she came with to to me, she was an entrepreneur and she had a really hard time pricing her services, um, pricing them correctly so that she gets paid for the value of her work. Um, So she was undercharging and she just had a really difficult time um, with that price tag, presenting that to clients. And And so
0: many of us can relate to this. So if you're an entrepreneur, listen up, this is the good stuff right here.
1: Yeah. So what was interesting is that, so she wrote out her money biography. So starting with the earliest money memories and her first two money memories were about asking for something and getting scolded by her mother and she said i still feel shame to this day about what happened here so her friend it was her it was her birthday party and her friend was coming over and she asked her friend uh, for a gift or she told her friend what she would like for a gift. And her mother found out and said, "'Oh my gosh, we don't do this.'" You know, if someone wants to give you a present, that's one thing, but you never ask for it. You never tell them what you want. And, and then the next year her aunt was going away on a vacation and she asked her aunt to bring her back something. And again, the same thing happened. So you know, to, to our subconscious mind, this is really, really powerful. This sends such a powerful message that it is not okay, that it's not safe to ask for what you want and so that becomes this automatic pattern and you can see with this client you know it persisted all the way to the present day you know 40 years later after the first incident because once our mind develops this pattern and we're not consciously aware of it it just takes over so any situation that seems the least bit similar to this we're going to replay that pattern of behavior over and over again Um, Yeah, so it's really fascinating. So that's a lot of what I do with clients is help them figure out what their patterns are, and then what the origin of that is, because once we can get to the origin of it, it makes sense. We can think, oh, we can can see how that would make sense. As a six-year-old, that made a lot of sense You know, these were the cultural rules at the time. And I understand that my mother, you know, wanted me to be polite. She wanted to raise a child who was nice and who would uh, work well with others. And that was really important at the time. Um, But the subconscious brain just, it makes these decisions and it's not very sophisticated. Um, It's on
0: autopilot, literally. So like it's been programmed to do this this way and it's autopilot kicks in and says, okay, so my programming received, this is what is the default now. And if, if anything comes up that looks like this, this is the default answer. And so it's almost a rewiring that needs to happen.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so once we're aware of it and we know where it came from, we realize, oh, this, this no longer applies. And then we can see Um, The variety of situations in which we had acted that way, that, that we don't need to anymore. We can approach things from a new perspective because now all of this has been brought to our consciousness.
0: That is amazing. So this actually really leads into a question that I love to ask my guests, and that is, what's been your biggest challenge with starting your business so we're talking about these challenges that exist for other people what's been your biggest challenge that you've had to work to overcome in being this money manager for other people and helping them spot theirs
1: great question um yeah so i'll share i'll share a story of um so i had my business for a while and i realized um hmm I really need to market my business. Um, I was relying on referrals and word of mouth and, and so on. And so I thought, you know what, I really need to get the word out more. So I, it was my first time as an entrepreneur. So I didn't really know much about marketing. So I joined this group marketing program. And through it, we created, uh, we, we launched a webinar, a free webinar. And I did all the steps i was following along and the moment it came for us to promote it so just to send out emails to our friends and to our email list i just froze like i felt such resistance between me and my keyboard like oh there's i just can't do this and and i realized being a money coach i realized that resistance was the sign that there was a money block coming up here and so i really sat with that and try to understand where that was coming from. And the first thing that I could think of was I don't want to be a bother. And we all um, feel
0: that way when it comes to marketing. We all think, gosh, I don't want to be a nuisance. I don't want to be a bother. I don't want to be obnoxious or annoying. To tell people about this, like I don't want to be that person. Like we all as business owners feel that sometimes. So yeah. So so what did you do? How'd you overcome that?
1: Yeah. And where do we get these messages that I don't want to be a bother? It goes all the way back to our childhood. You know, we're tall, especially as women, we're told from such an early age, you know, like keep it down, you know, don't bother other people, don't ask for more than, you know, a little bit or anything at all. Um, yeah. So I realized it was. I, I, I thought of this money story that was in my um, family that uh, was told often as I was growing up. I had an uncle who, um, my mother used to tell this, Our, her uncle uh, and her father were in business together and her uncle cheated her father. And so the uncle grew rich and my father and my, my grandfather, my mother's father, stayed poor. And it was like this really black and white thing. And from that, at first, this was my first thought. So I thought, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize how affected I knew this money story was in my family, but I didn't realize how much of that I would kind of taken on like to be rich is to be greedy, and to be poor is to be good. And so maybe Ooh, that was at work here. But as I went further into it, I realized there was actually more to it. And it was much more personal. Um, so for me growing up, uh, my mother was Um, very overwhelmed. She had had three children from a previous marriage and her husband left and then she had me. It was just really a lot going on. And um, so she wasn't very present emotionally when I was growing up. And so the, the feeling that I often had in childhood was don't bother her, like don't be a bother." And so it's re- it was very powerful when I was able to trace it back to really the origin of that emotion. And, and this is often the way it is. Like it goes really deep into our own personal um, issues of self worth and self belief. We can, and this is where that intersection is between personal development and, and personal finance, is that. Everything that we believe about money, everything, all of our behaviors around money, they first stem from how we think about ourselves and how we think about ourselves initially come from how our parents and our caregivers reacted to us when we were growing up. So, um, so that was a big revelation for me. And, and since then I incorporated a different exercise when I work with clients, Um, and I have them, um, I now use pictures a lot. I have them draw pictures, and this is another tip for how you can understand where your money blocks are. So one of the things I have them do is to draw a picture of the emotional experience of their childhood. What was it like for you emotionally to be in your family growing up? And this can be incredibly revealing. And um naturally you know it's healing it doesn't just identify the money blocks but also of course all of those other parts of our self-esteem and how we feel about ourselves and it affects our relationships it affects our career choices you know it affects everything and so when i work with people the best part of my job is that i just help them feel better about themselves so once we understand the origins of our own not only money stories but our own personal story Um, you know, we're able to understand ourselves better. We're able to put all those pieces together and it it just, it it gives a lightness to moving forward. And um, it's just such a, a great feeling.
0: So you did this exercise when it came to marketing your program, your webinar and it was able to to what like not just reveal this story of the relationship that was going on with your father and your uncle, your your grandfather and his brother. It's your grandfather, right, or your father? Yeah. Your grandfather. Um, so you you discovered this story, and and we all have some story like that in our family. Money and and for me, it was money changes people. That was the story I was told when I was young, and I read. Um, The Science of Getting Rich by Welles Waddles and realized that that's not true. Money is just a tool. It does not have power. It is just a tool. It only has the power that we assign it. And therefore it can't change people. All it does is amplify what was already there. And so when I changed that story about what money does, then I changed my relationship with it. And so it's really interesting how those little, and it doesn't need to be a big seed. So this is an example of you plant a seed in somebody, how much of a difference that can make for them in their life over the span of their whole life that we just don't often realize. So choose your words carefully because your words matter. Um, (laughs) Your words matter. Um, So now that you've unveiled this story, this relationship that's been through your family, what did that unlock for you and and how was it able to be a useful empowering tool to move yourself forward to promote your webinar?
1: Yeah, great question. So once I understood this, it really, it really freed me to be able to do all of the, the, Publicizing and the marketing work that I needed to do, um, yeah. So, so I don't have an issue with the marketing anymore. And understanding our well, ourselves or our relationship with money or anything, it's always it's like a big onion, right? So we're always peeling back the layers. So I, I've certainly uncovered some other things since then. Um, just you know, part of the process and completely natural. But that issue, I certainly don't have anymore. And it's interesting because if I, the first thing that I tried actually was more of a cognitive exercise. So I wrote down, I made a column of all the things I don't like about marketing, especially like social media marketing. Um, Like, I don't feel, I feel like I'm bothering people. You know, I just don't enjoy my time online, all these things. And then on the other side, all the things, the, the positives, like what I get out of it. And there were a lot. I was easily able to reach people who are interested in my message. I can stay connected with my friends, all of this. And and that does help. So if you, if you feel like um, you're meeting some resistance, this is a really good strategy. You can try this cognitive method and it will work it'll work, but then you have to do it again and again. So each time you feel this resistance, the resistance is gonna come up again, and then you try this again, and then you get through it. But when you're able to go the emotional route, when you're able to go back to that original emotion, think, what exactly am I feeling? And follow that emotion. When was the very first time I felt this? And so for me, it was an early childhood. Don't be a bother, don't bother my parents once you unlock that, you get to the emotional core, then it frees, it frees you up, and you don't have this issue again, because you understand what the absolute origin of it, that's, and, and then it's, um and then it disappears, that is why I'm all about money and emotions, because it's really important just to follow the emotions to get to the bottom of it all, it's a lot less work, it's, it's a little more work at first, and it can be really uncomfortable, even painful, maybe sometimes, uh, but it's so worth it because it's completely freeing.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Anytime we're dealing in emotions, it can be challenging because it's not something that's comfortable. It, it is very uncomfortable to deal with emotions and it's not part of our habit. It's not part of our normal day-to-day. We're not trained to do this on a daily basis. They don't teach this stuff in school. So at the end of the day, there's an effort that's involved to get to a place where you know what questions to ask and when to ask them and what answer you're seeking so that you can find what you need to move forward forward. And the more practiced you get at that, the faster it becomes.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think we think of emotions as something that we should um, run away from or be scared of, or not, not want to feel that they're bad. That uh, I think a lot of people are, we think we're going to be stuck in them. And some, some people do get stuck in them, but mostly if you just try to identify, like if you're in a bad mood, it usually comes out in other ways, right? right? Especially in our relationships with other people. But if you can just stop for a moment and identify what exactly am I feeling now, it is so mm. revealing, and and it will it, it set you on a different course. Um, that's much more healthy than just trying to suppress it and not feel it because it does come out in other ways. And the same thing with money. You know, if we repress what we really need, it comes out in other ways. And for so many of us, that's spending. And so, um, yeah, I have a whole separate uh, workshop on wants and needs and understanding what do I really want and need? What is it that I'm trying, what need am I trying to meet by spending money? And once you understand what that need is, then that... you realize you can give it to yourself in other ways that you don't need to spend money in order to do that.
0: That sounds like an amazing workshop, and this is a great time to let our audience know what's the best way to get in touch with you, because you've already provided a couple of really amazing tools that they can start to use right now to work through some of their emotional relationships with money so that they can continue to move the ball forward. So how can they get in touch with you, Emily, and learn more about this program you were just talking about?
1: Yeah, the best ways to go to my website. It's me, myself and money.com. The end A and D is spelled out me, myself and money.com. And there, um, you can take a money type quiz, which is a very short, easy quiz to take. And I'm often told that it's, um, it's amazing how in such few words, you can really get a sense of what your relationship is with money. And if you take that, I even send a little video um, explaining your results, and it's 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 uh, it's very interesting.
0: Yes, yes, I did take the money quiz. I got the video. I haven't watched my video yet um, fully. I watched the first part of it and was like, interesting. So I need to go back and spend a little bit more time with it. But it is a very short quiz. Definitely encourage all of the listeners to go and take advantage of it. It's free. It takes only a couple of seconds, and it's. It's just really eye-opening. For those of you that are listening, if this conversation is serving you today, make sure you hit that subscribe button down below. That way you can get notified every time we go live and also never miss an episode. We always have amazing conversations here. And it lets me know that the guests that I'm having on are serving you. They are supporting you in your business. At the end of the day, Terrific Tips for Business was built by you and for you to give you information and to pull us together in a time when we needed to be so socially separated. So hit that subscribe button, leave a like, leave a comment, let us know you are here. we love to hear from you. So Emily, let's go back into the conversation. So, so you utilized some of these tools to help you overcome that challenge and breakthrough were, are there habits that you have to have on a regular basis to help you keep moving forward, especially when it comes to doing the marketing for your business?
1: Yeah, for me, and it's all about realizing who you are and accepting who you are. So for me, I have a very difficult time motivating myself. And this is something I used to just kind of beat myself up about and think, oh, you know, this is something that needs to change. Oh, there's a lot of noise outside. Hopefully that will pass. (laughs) But once I began to accept it as, you know, this is who I am. And so I need a solution for this. Then I was able to find one. So I have joined over the course of time, different, uh, programs. So it gets me accountable. I have a timeline and I also really enjoy working with other people because as a solopreneur, you know, it's just me and my computer and it's so nice being able to network with others while working on a, a business goal at the same time.
0: Cool. Oh, yes. There's definitely something to be said for accountability. So if you're a business owner and you're listening to this right now and you're finding a hard time motivating yourself, we do this sometimes. We all go through our phases where we're really good. We're on it. We've got it figured out. Our why is ticking strong and it's getting us out of bed on those rainy, cold days. But then we hit a season where it just isn't and we need something else to motivate us. And sometimes that external motivation of somebody else is waiting for you. And that's why a gym membership is good, because then you develop friends there, and they're waiting for you. And if you don't show up, they're going to check in with you. Hey, where were you? Why weren't you there? So having a coach, having an accountability system, having a somebody, anybody, it could be your best friend, just check in and say, so how did that, you know, referral work out? How did that lead work out? Um, that makes all the difference sometimes to just get us moving in the right direction. So definitely having an accountability partner or having some kind of person to help you hold yourself to that higher standard uh, of getting the things done that you know you want to get done for sure. Great tip, Emily. Thank you. Yeah. So what is something that we should know about money that maybe we don't, maybe it's not obvious to us, or maybe it's not taught to
1: us? Yeah, I'd say the most important thing to understand about money is that what you think about it isn't necessarily true. So we all have these stories in our heads and maybe some of them came through our family others we picked up through society and others through our own personal experiences and we don't even recognize them as stories we just think that they are fact because this is just all we know to be true so it's really helpful just to take a step back and examine oh first of all identify what do I think about money like do I think it's great to have a lot of money do i think it's kind of not so good to have a lot of money do i think it's better to be poor or somewhere in the middle do i think it's unfair for some people to have more than others you know and and many of us have conflicting thoughts as well because there are so many conflicting opinions out there and we absorb all of these so to understand you know where we're at first of all what what do i believe and then to begin to think hmm like, where did this come from? Is this even really true? Because you can always find um, examples for both it being true and it being not true. But um, when we have these beliefs and we just carry them with us and think that they're truth, then we only look for things that confirm it. And we kind of dismiss anything that doesn't. So that's a really good place to start.
0: Confirmation bias at its finest. And (laughs) we have not just money conversations, but like politics, religion, you know, even something as silly as you're going on a vacation with a friend and you think you're going to split it 50-50 and one person believes that it should be split based on the number of people that are there and the other person says, well, it should be split based on the number of beds there are. You're both right, and you can probably both find at least 100 people that agree that you're right, but at the end of the day, there needs to be some reflection on that belief while you hold it so true and what you can do to meet a common ground to move forward, because that's the only way forward is meeting that common ground. And so that that exists in all things, not just money, so that's an excellent piece of advice is really to reflect on where did this belief come from? And it's important to remember our brains are tricky. And so we'll talk about brain for a minute because I'm a psychology person. So our brains are tricky. Our memories are flawed. We don't have perfect recall. We, we don't. And they are flawed by a lot of things. They are flawed by time. They are flawed by emotion. They are flawed by new information. And so our memories get changed over time, and we rely on these memories to make decisions or to structure our beliefs, but we don't ever really question them. And if we don't question them, then we end up kind of stuck in a rut doing the same things that we've always done and not really understand maybe why we're self-sabotaging, because that can happen too if we do that. So... Asking, is there a question or is there a series of questions that maybe we should get good about asking ourselves, and when we should ask them?
1: Hmm. I I, I think the most basic uh, thing to ask yourself, and I always come back to this, is what am I feeling? Because that provides so much information. And again, it's a question we normally don't ask ourselves. We're trying to run from what we're feeling. But if we ask that, we get we get really good information. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, Hmm. Like if I'm, if I'm in the kitchen with my husband and I I'm just annoyed, I can kind of push that out of my way or go about what I'm doing, or I can think, okay, this, this happened a few weeks ago, but now I forget what the, <laughs> what the origin was. Um, but if I think about, okay, it, what is it? Oh, maybe I'm concerned because, um, you know, one of our sons came home and he had a a bad report and, um, and I'm letting that affect my relationship with him, but it's really, I'm trying to avoid dealing with this. Okay. Um, what can we do about this? What help do we need to give him? You know, maybe I'm just afraid of where this is going to lead. I don't want to think about what the future might look like if we can't get him help, you know, and, um, And so it leads you on this different path where you're not in the present moment, you're not making good decisions, you're not um, treating the people around you the way you want to, all because you're avoiding this. But if you just think about what, I just thought of a better example. (laughs) But if you just um, get to the root of it, then it's much easier. A really good example of this now is, uh, I had to file an insurance claim a few months ago. And I kept putting it off. And when I thought about, okay, why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. What am I feeling? The first thing that came up with was embarrassment. I'm just embarrassed. This is already a few weeks old and I haven't done it yet. And what if I call and the insurance person, you know, thinks I'm an idiot. And when I was telling this to myself, I thought, well, what's so bad about that? Okay, so this person might think I'm an idiot or that I'm lazy for not calling sooner that's no big deal. I can surely get over that. And then, you know, I went online, I did, and, and it was fine, but that was getting me stuck because I didn't want to think about what the emotion was.
0: I find this happens a lot in marketing too, when we're talking with somebody who has to make a phone call. If you own your own business, you've had to make a sales call before at least once. And all of a sudden, your cell phone weighs 5,000 pounds, and you just cannot lift that thing up off the desk and dial the number, right? So there's this, this resistance. What is it that we're afraid of? We're, we're afraid of the rejection, that we might have on the other end. And we blow this rejection out of like worldly proportions. It all of a sudden becomes this like huge monster that's going to eat us alive if we pick up the phone, right? And that's why all of a sudden we're afraid of the phone and the phone weighs 5,000 pounds. But if we sat with it for a minute and said, well, what's the worst that could happen? Well, the worst that could happen is they get pissed off and they hang up on me, but let's be realistic. People don't usually do that when you're calling, especially if it's somebody that knows who you are. You're not just like cold calling, robo calling a whole, a whole bunch of people. You're calling somebody intentionally with purpose, somebody who knows you in theory, or at least was introduced to you. So they're expecting that phone call. So, okay, if they like know of you, you're human to them. You're not just some faceless name. They're not going to just hang up on you. They they might not be very nice, but they're not going to just hang up on you, right? So if we really kind of sit with what's the worst that could happen, then we can get more comfortable with the action that we need to take. Just like in that scenario that you were giving, I I was laughing though about your kitchen example, because I'm like, yeah, I'm often cranky in the kitchen, but that's because I'm hangry. (laughs) (laughs) I just wait too long to eat. So then I'm hungry and I get angry when I get hungry.
1: (laughs) That's a simple solution.
0: (laughs) Right. So often when I ask myself, why am I feeling this? The answer is because I need food. If I put food in my face, then I'm fine. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not grouchy anymore.
1: <laughs> I love, I love that question of, um, that you just posed, what am I afraid of? Mm. And that's something that I often, um, ask my clients to think of too, when you're, when you're in a, a point of fear, um, which is often like, it, it doesn't have to be a big fear. It could be a fear of like, ah, I don't want to do this. Um, you know, so yeah, again, whenever you feel that resistance, it's what, what am I afraid? What do I think is going to happen? What am I afraid? Like, what's the worst possible outcome? And then the second question is, what would I like to happen? Or what are some possible scenarios? What are other possible scenarios? Yes, the worst might come true. What are some other things that might happen? And then what do I want to happen? And then that usually gets you through that and you're able to pick up the phone. Oh, yeah, they're probably not going to hang up on me. They're probably not going to unfriend me and, you know, talk bad about me to everyone. (laughs) Right. They're not
0: going to disown me. Exactly. No, it's so good. So we've talked about resistance a couple of times. What does resistance look like for people who don't know if they're experiencing it?
1: Yeah, it's when you want to do something. And you just can't. So procrastination is often a really good um, example of this. You know, we have a task, we have it on our calendar. I'm going to block out these two hours and I'm going to write a blog. And then it just doesn't happen. That's really Everything
0: awesome. else in the planet comes up instead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that beautiful long to-do list that we all have, because we're business owners, we all have this beautiful long to-do list that gets, that's a mile and a half long and it keeps growing. Um, It's growing because we're not taking things off. So that's a resistance. What is it that we're not taking off and why aren't we taking it off? Um, Yeah. So then, so if you notice this, you notice your list is growing. You notice that there's been something on your list for a week, 10 days, a month, six months, and you haven't addressed it. Maybe the question needs to be, What am I feeling about this? I love that question. That's a good time to ask. I would suggest you don't let it sit there for six months before you ask the question, maybe a couple of weeks and then you ask the question.
1: Yes. But even if you do, because judgment keeps us from moving forward. So if you have this judgment, ah, no, I waited six months. I'm such an idiot. Why can't I do this? That keeps us from taking any action. So I always think that acceptance is the first step. Just, okay, I am where I am. Now, what do I feel? How do I go from here?
0: So good. Deep breath in. What do I feel? Deep breath out. Okay. What's next step? What do I want to see happen? So good. So good. Emily, this has been a wonderful conversation. You've given us so many wonderful pieces of information to help us start moving the ball forward with ourselves and with our business and with our relationship with money. What's the best way for people to get in touch with
1: you again? Yeah, through my website, which is me, myself and money.com.
0: Very good. And then go take that money quiz and figure out your relationship with money. Uh, that she offers there on the website. For those of you that are listening, I am Terry Watkins, your host and your chief idea catcher over at SpinFrogs. We are a forensic marketing agency focused on helping you avoid the pitfalls in your marketing so that you can have the impact in the results that you wanna have. So if you're feeling some resistance to your marketing or you feel like you've done it all and nothing really works, I assure you there is still a solution out there that maybe you haven't tried or there's something that you did do that would have worked if we did it differently. And I'm here to help you figure out what that is so that you can move forward with your business, whatever it might be. And we offer a variety of ways to work together. Go nab the uh, free guide. I have 17 ways to grow your social media for free. It's a PDF that's downloadable over at spinfrogs.com slash gift. It's a great opportunity to let you start to get a checklist, because we need another one, of marketing our business. (laughs) And that'll help move the needle forward for you in your business. And it's absolutely free. So go nab that PDF now. And I look forward to seeing you there. And Emily, I've got one more question for you before we wrap up for today. Yes, Terry. If there was one piece of advice that you would give your younger self to make your life easier, what would that be and why?
1: (laughs) Uh, Go get therapy. (laughs) Because if I had done that earlier, I just, yeah, I would have felt better sooner. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm, Therapy. And it's interesting. I was just talking, my father was in town um, just the other day, and we were just talking about that, that here in America, we don't place enough value on mental health. We have a lot of ripple effect challenges that come out of not having adequate mental health and stability of our people. And so it, it manifests in different ways. Um, usually in some outrage or some social situation that's never very comfortable for a lot of people. And if we had put more focus on mental health, if our insurance system supported mental health, if, if people looked at mental health as just part of life, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's something to celebrate then how different would our relationship be with ourselves, with others, with inanimate objects like money? Such a good tip. So, Yeah,
1: I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I'm glad to see the younger generation. It seems to be becoming more and more something that they talk about openly. So it's a really, really positive thing.
0: Yes. It's not bad to talk about your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts that are going on. Do it. Do it often. The more you do it, the easier it gets. And it helps people to really understand where you are and where you're trying to go. And it helps you get clarity too. So absolutely. Well, this has been absolutely delightful. I so appreciate you, your time this morning. Thank you for being here all the way from the Netherlands to join us.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Terry.
0: Absolutely. And for those of you that are listening, thanks for tuning in today. Make sure you like and subscribe. And I look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a great week, everybody. We hope, as always, that you enjoyed the conversation today. Please do us a favor. Like, subscribe, share this podcast with your friends. The more people we get involved in the conversation, the stronger our small business community becomes. Thank you so much for being with us. And thank you so much for your support in sharing and inviting other people to this podcast so that they can grow stronger in their business with other like-minded business people.